How many of us can identify with the idea that we're not enough, or that we could have done something better, or people aren't really interested in what we have to offer? There are so many times in a day, a week, month, year, project, conversation, recapping in our minds when we have the benefit of hindsight to help us learn and grow. However, we often don't think of these little monkey mind activities as a chance to reflect and grow, but rather as a way to hold back, rescind, perhaps hide, or even move the other way. It is at this point when our value is not realized that the world has lost a valuable asset in our not participating. Our guest today, Greta Mueller, is the author of the new book called Opening Your Presence. Mueller conveys 30 years of experience as a coach, actress, and consultant to help anyone, and she emphasizes anyone, speak in a compelling way with less fear and self-consciousness. I'm just gonna quote here what she has written. I want you to celebrate your successes and objectively and kindly address and master anything that separates you from your most authentic presence. This is a little quote that comes from her book and it, it goes on again. You are wasting a valuable resource when you do not appreciate and use the most precious resource that you do have, you. Now think about all the ways you've reasoned with yourself to not take the deep dive, to not share your gifts. What has been your reaction? For Greta, she's seen many reactions. I've had clients push back on this concept, something which I welcome wholeheartedly with the following arguments. I'm not that important. The fact speaks for themselves. I hate being the center of attention. Don't look at me. I'm just the messenger. And then the favorite one she quotes, won't my passion, energy, enthusiasm, etc., just come through naturally? I don't want to fake anything. All right. She also gently reminds readers that people who can communicate effectively usually are the first to get promoted or make important and beneficial personal and professional connections. I have identified all the ways that you might want to participate and how Greta Mueller can help you with that. But today we're going to talk, about, uh, talk to Greta to learn about her own fears and growth by overcoming her own little monkey thoughts that have kept her from speaking or acting for her highest good. You are listening to Be Well with Michelle Greenwell, sponsored by the Cape Breton Tea Company and Dance Debut Inc. Please welcome award-winning author Greta Mueller. Good morning. Oh, good morning. Thank you so much. Oh, it's this topic is just so timely for everyone as we're coming into spring and people are thinking about renewal and where they want to go. And I just I'm so happy that we get to have this conversation. Oh, it's my one of my favorite topics. <laughs> <clears throat> Before we begin, I always like to set an intention, and I'm I pulled a, a card from my affirmations for the body and biofield deck, which can be found in the shop at Dance Debut. Um, and I've chosen, so I'm just going to hold up the affirmation card. It has baby and child on the front, which is an interesting graphic, but just to think about how we hold ourselves. And then the, I'm just going to hold up, and I know for those people who are on podcast version, not vodcast, um, you've got purple, gray, um, there's little bubbles in there. there it's, like, um, it's like a tree having roots, except that the roots go out from the top, which I think is interesting for our conversation today. Um, and on the back, the affirmation is, for balance is wellness. We are part of the symmetry of design, and when in balance, there is flow. When in balance, we find harmony with all. And I know when we hold ourselves back, that harmony, that's the disharmony, uh, because then we become a real big imbalance. And so I'm hoping this provides a way for people to think about their goal as they're listening today and how they'll be able to transform from the conversation. Okay. Now, we also have a second part, because in order to get this activated, I always like to highlight what people brought to the table to drink with. So do you want to share what you've got in your mug today? So I lived in Dallas for 20 years, and I started my career as an actress. And these women were the women I came in contact most often with at auditions. 
And they were all wonderful, lovely people. And one day, one of them said, let's all go to lunch. And I love that because it was such a spirit of camaraderie instead of competition. You know, we were all up for the same part. Mm -hmm. And here we are 30 something years later, we have spread to the, you know, winds. We have someone in Washington state. We have me in New York and Dallas and, you know, all over the place. And we still get together for our big birthdays and we take trips together. And Nancy, one of the ladies, made this for us after we made a trip together. And uh, it is one of my favorite things to drink out. First of all, I won't spill unnecessarily. <laughs> I have been known to do that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it keeps things safe, but I love looking at these pictures. So this is my favorite mug. I am a coffee drinker. <laughs> However, my partner <clears throat> is a tea drinker of the first order. He worked uh, in his early career at the Food and Drug Administration. Mm -hmm. And one of his colleagues uh, was responsible for the tea industry coming into the United States safety, uh, taste even. And he still to this day gives Carmelo uh, teas from around the world. So uh, uh, this is China. This is um, Welsh. This is Welsh tea. And he keeps these tins and he literally rotates them out. So he doesn't have to choose and go, what mood am I in? He's an engineer. He keeps a list and he rotates out. So I just pulled these from the cabinet just to demonstrate he is a major tea drinker. And this is, I guess, oolong. And this is Welsh brew, whatever that means. So <laughs> that's beautiful. Um, I've been flying around with tea um, and the history of the tea in the area where I live, um, getting ready for the tea launch that's going to happen in a couple of weeks. And um, people were telling me about the loose tea coming in tins and then what that meant to the area and the, the kinds of stories that came about of, you know, things that happened with the tins. So um, it's kind of timely that you, you put that to the forefront. So thank you for that. Um, I brought my King George and I put it into my City of Limerick from the university mug today. King George is represent, it's a orange pico tea, so it's a black tea. And it is uh, named because of the music that has been written. So that we have a King George Strass Bays, but we also have reels. And so there's two styles of music, which is transformative because you can have, here, if we're gonna step dance, we would have Strass Bays first, and then we would move into reels. And it changes the tempo, it changes the look, it changes uh, the whole feel of everything when we move from one to the other. And so I was thinking about your book and I was thinking about um, the way that um, you approach people to, to get them to look at those little demons and then that movement forward. And the music kind of pulls you that way. So, so I uh, cheer you. Thank you very much for coming to join me on the podcast. And Cheers. Um, Thank you for having me. And here we go. Oh. All right. So you've had several kinds of professional, uh, well, careers over your professional life. That's the way I want to say it. And would you like to share your experience that set you up to transform into a coach? And then um, what moved you into speaking and storytelling? Well, I... Um, definitely an extrovert. Although um, when I when I do the Myers Briggs test, I'm I'm on the line because to refresh, uh, I often get quiet. Uh, I like to be alone, that sort of thing. But as a little girl, I definitely wasn't shy. So I started out third grade plays, and in when it came time to go to college, one of my teachers kept me after school and said, what are you, what are you going to do? You know, what are you going to study? And I was like, oh, I'm going to be an English teacher. And because she was an English teacher and she was my favorite. And she said, no, you're going to be an actress. And on that, I majored in theater and communications and did become an actress. So I worked professionally in film, television, uh, radio and stage for 17 years, making actually making a living at it. Wow. And about the time I was looking at 40, 
very closely. It was coming up on the rearview mirror. My career was changing. I was too old to do this. I was too young to do this. I was right in that in-between. And I had a call from a broadcast coaching company. I had been referred to them. And um, they interviewed me and asked if I'd be interested in coaching broadcast news anchors, uh, weather, sports, talk shows, but television, uh, reading teleprompter, relating to the camera, that sort of thing. And I, it just fit. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm now going to be a teacher. So I took all of my experience in film, television, especially radio, um, to the news. I, I had never been an anchor. I don't know anything about anchoring. I've learned it's been 24 years, I guess, since I've been doing that. And um, it's all the same. Know your lines, hit your mark, and go and relate to the audience. So uh, that's really what transitioned me into being a coach. I continue to act a little bit here and there. Um, I will not sing at weddings, and I cannot sing at funerals because I'm a big crybaby. <laughs> <laughs> well, nice to know the limits, right? <laughs> oh, yes. And But that's what led to the uh, transition. And what I realized in the end I'm doing exactly what I did before. I love to have an effect on people to make them think or feel, step out of themselves, be transported to another world, possibly see themselves differently within that world. And coaching is exactly the same thing. People get into a mindset. They see things exactly as they think they are of because of their experience. And then I introduce a different way of looking at her or a different thought process. And they're fa it's amazing. And then they're able to step into a more authentic life, although I'm not a life coach, but a presence on air, which you can't do that on air and then go home and be fake. And they bring it into their homes and lives. And before they know it, they're like, wow, you know, I feel like I'm just communicating every day as truly more authentically than I was before. And that means the world to me. Mm -hmm. that, and that's an interesting piece because a lot of people come from the perspective of I need to do something in my personal life. So I need to eat better. I need to exercise more, get more sleep. Those are the usual checkoff boxes. And they're going to fix the personal side but not realizing that when you put that effort in at the, the professional side or the business side, that has the ripple effect. And sometimes it's the place that the catalyst needs to start before you can actually start to see how you would want to personally change. Do you want to talk maybe a little bit about maybe some of the experiences you have that way? Um. Probably one of the most profound uh, experiences, it was a lesson for me, it helped me, was a an anchor in a top 10 market. That is where they are trying to get. If they're not going to go network, Jane Pauley, you know, um, that stratosphere, it's to be in a top 10 big market. And she had it. She was offered the job and um, I was hired as her coach. And we went in and we just started talking and all of a sudden she just looked at me and she said, can I ask you a question? I said, absolutely. She said, would you think I was crazy if I walked away from all of this and had a baby? <laughs> I, I said, why would I think you're crazy? And she said, I've worked my entire life to get here. It is being handed to me. And if I get in that market, uh, the six and the 10, that's the main newscast, I will never have time with my family. I will never put my children to bed. I will not have dinner with them. And I want to have children. And it was not easy. Uh, she was going to have to do artificial insemination and treatments and everything. And she did have twin boys. And she has gone on to be a documentary filmmaker. Oh, interesting. And I, but in the 
I had no way was trying to convince her to go do something else. She was excellent at her job. But in that talk of authenticity, being real to yourself, what do you have that that audience member can relate to? And how do you use that to be a storyteller versus a deliverer of facts? Mm -hmm. She just, you know, she she said, I have never spoken this aloud. I have not even said this to my husband, who fully supports her career and whatever she wanted to do. And um, she said, I don't think I want it. I, I, you know, I just wanted to know, could I do it? And now that I know I could do it, I'm okay with walking away. And she did. Wow. And, you know, to be able to even articulate that, because a lot of people will have that, that drive to get to the end of the, of, of that career goal with, you know, that's the pinnacle right there. And then hold in that spot because that's what they were working towards. So especially mm-hmm. if you've done a lot of education to get to that space, you invest a lot of time and money, um, you, don't wanna, you don't want people to think that you were searching for the wrong dream because then you, that's the, you know, that outside perception piece. So it's quite a revelation to be able to be secure in yourself and the courage to realize that it, it is the journey. It's not the end piece. And, and that if you hit that end piece and it's, you, you don't have to stay there, you definitely can move in other directions. Um, that's really beautiful. And then to think what gifts the documentary field have as a result of her decision. Um, and I don't know that people think about that either when they're trying to hold the space that they think is is the place they've tried to get to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the end, she wanted to tell the stories she wanted to tell, not uh, news stories that were given to her. And in the industry, that's what happens. The anchor may have influence on what makes it on the air, but they are being told, here's the lineup, here are the stories, here's how, you know. And it really, uh, at the end of their careers, they're, they are saying, no, I want this story to go first to say they uh, are being told what to say. And I think she ultimately really had a story of her own. And she's an award winning uh, documentary now and two boys that are growing up and and um, happy with her life and husband. And it seemed stupid to her at the time. And I said, stepping into your life is never stupid. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if it doesn't work, you can choose again, and you can choose again, and you can choose again, and, which has been the story of my life. <laughs> Good and well, bad, up and down. <laughs> well, and, and that's, that's the other piece that I think also people lose track of is the choice. And, and the other piece that you've reflected on, too, is that when, you're, when you have a coach who can reflect to you what you can't see or what you think of as normal, then mm-hmm. those other pieces become observable um, and even felt because they might have been blocked just because of the, the choices that you have to make. Um, mm-hmm. I would say one of the num- the number one question I get from people is a variation of am I weird? Is this different? Is this stupid? Is this wrong? Am I wrong to want this? Am I wrong to think this? Um, And this is, I do a lot of corporate work. So even in the corporate world, um, what are people thinking of me? Am I different? They seem to know what they're doing. I feel insecure. You know, I, I think a lot of people, um, they're faking it till they make it or how they personify themselves, how they go out and act has very little to do with how they actually feel inside. And sometimes as a coach, you're just answering that question. Am I enough? Am I sufficient? Am Mm -hmm. I okay? Is this okay? Can I do this? And to give them, you know, and very few people have ever asked me a question that I've said, no, please don't do that. 
Um, I did have a news anchor who didn't ask me. Now, this is a very, very small market. She was in her first job. But she came from the pageant industry. Very mm -hmm. well-spoken. Pageants. Imagine. She got promoted too quickly, in my opinion. I said that to management, but they thought she was beautiful and well-spoken and et cetera, et cetera. She didn't ask, and her talent in the pageant world was ventriloquism. And she brought her ventriloquism dummy to the anchor desk and let him deliver some of the news. Wow. And it was such a wild misjudgment. People, I mean, people were emailing and, and texting in and they, they didn't know what to think. Is this a joke? Is this, you know, but in her mind, when we talked about authenticity, that was her talent. And she felt very strongly about that. And she was sharing her talent. She just happened to be sharing it on a five o'clock newscast. Yeah. <laughs> and, but it's also another point, too, that if you're, if you're passionate about something and you can't take it where you're going, is that the right direction? Even though it's exactly. Offered. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, that was for her to, to choose, to decide. Yeah. I think we all go through this. If, you grew up taking ballet lessons and your dream one day was to be a ballet dancer, but you're now in your forties. Is that truly a dream you can return to, to be a ballet dancer in the New York ballet? That was, if that was your dream, mm -hmm. but the concept is how do we embrace it and use it in our lives? If we're only nurturing our own soul but perhaps other people. So there is that idea of teaching, choreographing, uh, working in the industry, but perhaps not performing. Mm -hmm. I, I see that in myself. I no longer perform. People ask me all the time, oh, do you miss it? How do you go to a Broadway show and not wish you were up <laughs> on that stage? And it's because I understand the life. It's not just that performance. It is eight performances a week. It is rehearsals in between, being on call, everything you have to do to get there. And then the fear that you're going to have laryngitis or be sick and you can't perform. And then there's an understand. All of that, I did it. And mm. I, it is a joy of mine, but I do not desire to return to it. However, I love setting other people up who are in that dream and they want to do it. Great. Mm. And I can bring that to the table. And so I feel uh, whole and complete. And, and that person is feeling whole. Mm -hmm. So it's a win-win. You just have to find that balance of how you do it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, are there identifying markers that you, you notice in people that, that transformation change has that hold back? Is there like a common theme that people do that you've noticed over time? I'm sorry. I want to make sure I understand the question. A common theme when they're holding back, when they're not yeah. doing it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The common theme has got to be fear. Fear of being judged, fear of making a mistake that you cannot recover from. That is a big one in the corporate industry, but also on the air. Mm-hmm. They're afraid they'll make the mistake of which they will be fired. They cannot recover. Mm -hmm. And when we get down to it, um, let's say they're a seven-year, 10-year veteran. I just have to very calmly present the question, what are the chances you're going to make that big of a mistake? Don't mm -hmm. you feel that you have the experience that gives you that sense of propriety, what is appropriate. So you're not going to step so far out of the comfort zone or your experience level of what is appropriate, like that young lady did. And she mm -hmm. didn't have that. She didn't have that gauge within herself. Mm -hmm. And so whether you're young and just starting out, um, 
I was just working with a young lady. She's in her 20s. She's in her third job, which happens to be at the network level. That's very unusual. Mm -hmm. But she's holding back. Because she's afraid, she knows she's energetic, she's very expressive, and you know, the very things they hired her for. Mm-hmm. And she's wanting to act serious and professional because that's what it's supposed to be. And they were like, You have got to work with her. Everything that we love about her, she's not doing. Mm-hmm. And so just helping her ease into that about you're not gonna you're not gonna act ridiculous, you're not a child. But to hold that far back, it was fear, fear of making a mistake, fear of judgment, fear of um, colleagues um, coming up and making an unwelcome comment, for example. Mm-hmm. And I have often demonstrated to people the hand, people, uh, a visual cue is stronger than an audio. It takes people a while to get into the audio, but you can break into something that someone is saying by holding up the hand. Mm -hmm. And then you can gently say, I need to stop you right there um, because I'm a little uncomfortable. It doesn't have to be a horrible confrontation. I need to digest and think about what, how I feel before I have a discussion about it. And so Mm -hmm. I appreciate it so much. Thank you very much. But I need to stop you right there. Mm -hmm. And most people take that very well, you know, and if they don't, you need to be careful about that person. Do they Mm -hmm. have your best interests in heart? So I often say, consider the source. Don't listen to everybody who has an opinion because you're going to get 10,000 of them. Mm -hmm. You have to listen to you. One or two other trusted advisors and that may not be your mother. <laughs> <laughs> they they come in with their own set of biases. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and to a lot of people, that is where they find their reflection is in what what their spouse says, uh, what the children think, or um, what their siblings and those are siblings too that they've probably spent many hours arguing with over different concepts, but they have such influence over the kinds of decisions that are made or the approach that someone might take. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. And I think people forget about that too when they are thinking, I'm looking for support. Uh, Who will support me? Well, my family will support me. But then it's that outsider who has that different perspective that can come in and really bring that approach in a different way. Yeah. Um, I I have a very dramatic, um, this doesn't happen very often, but I was brought in to coach a uh, female anchor who was back. She'd been on the air for quite a while, very beloved in the market um, after having a baby. And she returned to the air, but her whole style of delivery had changed. She was sitting differently at the desk. She was interacting differently. She wouldn't swivel. She would just turn her head. And um, I was brought in to get to the bottom of why did she change her delivery style so drastically? People were wondering, how are you feeling? Whatever. And finally, she just tearfully confessed. She was uh, very self-conscious about her weight, her post-baby weight. Mm-hmm. She was tiny. She was as big as my finger. <laughs> but in her mind, her size two body was now a size four. Mm. I don't know if your sizes in Canada are different. Yeah, but no. We teeny have tiny, <laughs> uh, a little, you know, tiny bit bigger. But I mean, it's not that big of a difference. And it, it all came from her mother. Her mother was every day on her about when you turn, you look fat. I can see that pooch of weight. Your breasts are huge, blah, 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 blah. And I, I, I couldn't convince her. I, I couldn't. And I, I, and I said, I'm happy to talk with your mother, but you need to stop meeting with her. She would, they would literally meet, but because her, because her mother was babysitting, she felt obliged to listen to her mother. Anyway, they eventually let her go. It affected her delivery 
that much. And she lost her job, which comes about in a contract renewal. She wasn't fired. They just didn't renew the contract. Right. Um, And that made me so sad because she was so talented, but yet she was listening to the wrong source. And I even said, your mother doesn't have a professional view of you. She has a daughter view of you and nothing got through. So yeah, yeah, it was a sad story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And one too, that um, I'm sure as people are listening right now, they can probably nod their head because weight is one of one of our biggest culprits for not doing something or doing something. Um, yes. And we really revolve around most of our day. How do we look and how much weight do we have and how are we feeling? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's not a great place to make decisions from. <laughs> it's, a, it's a way to acknowledge, you know, how are you feeling today? Do you need to do something for yourself? but not really about reflecting for the rest of the world what you think Mm -hmm. they should be thinking. Yeah. Yes. As a chubby child whose mother was a former beauty queen myself, um, weight was a huge issue in our home. And I'm so happy to have seen the pendulum swing back the other way that young girls who are not thin have options of clothes to wear that are beautiful and attractive and they can dress like everybody else. When I was growing up, um, you would get to a certain size in the rack and then there was nothing. And if you did find a larger size, you looked like your grandmother and you're a 12, 13 year old trying to dress cute and fashionable. And there was either nothing to be found or it was ugly. Yeah. Um, I worry, uh, not worry, but my concern is that it swings so far the other way that there's not enough emphasis on health and kids are just allowed to eat anything and there's an obesity issue. However, I know how much it hurt me and my mother delighted in it. She would literally buy the wrong size that I could not fit and say, this is yours if you lose weight. And I would wear clothes that did not fit. Yeah. And it was traumatizing. It took me years to get past that one. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and you're trying to, because even, even if it kind of fit, you still have that, you pull the shirt down all the time. You're always yes. checking in the mirror. And those habits yes. that then get started, to, that you don't even realize, that just start to transform you into that, person who checks everything and then and I talk I am so sorry go ahead I talk about that in the book um there are some generalities I make and I I admit they're generalities however I find that if you have a client who is a female and her clothes do not fit they're typically too tight because she's conscious of what size she's buying and it's too tight a man's clothing if they do not fit, are typically large because <laughs> they go for comfort mm-hmm. and their pants may be dragging on the ground because who gets their clothes tailored? And um, it's an interesting thing because guess what? I can't see that size. I don't care what size you buy. No one's looking at the label in the back. Just buy what fit. I don't want to. I want to lose 15 pounds. And I said, and how long have you been working on that? <laughs> Let's just buy a few pieces that fit and feel good, and then we'll worry about the 15 pounds. Men, who cares? You look like a slob. And there are people who want to put their trust in you. And if clothes don't fit, and I had a young man, um, he wanted me to analyze his uh, website. And the picture on his website, he had the most wrinkled shirt on. It looked like he scrunched in a ball and put it on. And I just mentioned taking a new picture. And he was like, who cares about that? I don't, I, I don't own an iron. I said, well, would you have your shirts pressed? No. And he said, and if somebody cares that much about that, I don't know that I want them for a client. I was like... Okay. <laughs> see how that works for you. Talk to you in four years and let's see how we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, interesting. Um, okay, so let's bring the, the knowledge around to the book. Um, what is your first step forward for people in coaching care? Um, to listen. What are their goals? What, is, what do they think about themselves? What do they think is holding them back from achieving whatever the goal is. And I sometimes do an exercise that I uh, ask, if you could overhear a conversation where they're talking about you, but they don't know you're there, what would you like them to say? Not what are you afraid they're saying, but what would you like them to say? Let's come up with some qualities. And then we examine how they act, interact, perform, and compare it to the list. If you look at this person, and if I'm lucky enough to have a video, which would be great, um, even in a corporate world, if I can have a video of them speaking, possibly, I turn the sound off and I just say, let's look at this person. What are attributes we would give to this person? And you know what? My, the sun is coming out. Can you tell? I'm about to be in complete light. Hold on one second. I'm so sorry. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Sorry about that. No, it's okay. It's <laughs> lovely to have the sun shining and, you know, it, it's such a bright, gorgeous day. It's lovely. So. It really is. And I live in Manhattan. We were very fortunate to find this apartment. It has windows on three sides and wow. it's, great but mm -hmm. this happens so anyway sorry about that <laughs> <laughs> that's okay um so that's usually my icebreaker what do you think what do you want how do you feel and then i i will listen to what are you afraid people are saying and then why why are you 90 time 90 percent of the time that comes from an old family message mm -hmm. a corporate client who was on her way up that ladder an amazing personality. She said, Greta, do you know what my nickname was as a kid? I was like, she said, bossy pants. I'm so afraid of being a bossy pants. Wow. And I said, you know what? You're about to be the leader of, may I say thousands of people? Don't you think they want a bossy pants maybe? And I said, now that you've gone so long, you know how to be a good bossy pants. But why don't you embrace that quality rather than run from it? Her childhood, it was a negative. And then, uh, I don't know if you know this, Tina Fey, the actress mm -hmm. from yeah. Saturday Night Live, she wrote a book called Bossy Pants. And I sent her a copy of the book. I said, look, you're in very good company. She was a bossy <laughs> pants. So sometimes it's embracing the very thing that we're afraid of. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And how can we... How can we transform even that thought process? Because it has two, it always has two sides. But, yeah, it does. You know, how can we look at it from the other sides? Mm -hmm. um, beautiful. So where are you heading now? You've got that book finished. What's on the horizon for you? And I am working on a book right now called uh, Happier Online Dating for Seniors. Ah. Opening your presence in the modern world. I um, made my first foray into online dating when I was in my 40s. And I would try it and step back, try it and step back through my 50s. And then when I was looking at 60, I realized I felt completely different about it because I didn't care anymore. I didn't care really what the other person thought of me, or I was, I'm from the South. You tend to want to please and make somebody else happy. Mm -hmm. I still have that in me. However, it's in balance with making myself happy. And I just went into it with a completely different attitude. I was going to have fun. I was going to call the shots. If I was uncomfortable, I would speak up. If I didn't want to see somebody again, I wasn't going to look at it like, oh my God, I have to tell somebody, I have to reject someone. I could wish them well, send them on their way to meet the person of their dreams. It just wasn't me. Mm -hmm. And that became my line. 
And all of a sudden, the experience changed. I met nice people. And I started meeting people, men, in my real life, my everyday life, that I wasn't meeting before. And yes, I met the love of my life. We've been together now for three years. But that's not the point. And that's what I, I'm trying to say in the book. It is what you it is what you will learn about yourself. It is about your authenticity. It is about stepping up and using this amazing tool to use to meet people you may not otherwise meet. Mm-hmm. But it's not the be all and end all to your happiness. Your happiness is going to come from you. You're just going to use this tool and then especially seniors or elders, you hear horror stories of women, especially, I hate to say, sending money. I mean, I've heard of men doing it too, to a person online they've never met, but they needed this money and then they empty their bank accounts. And before you know it, their identity has been stolen. Stupid mistakes in the the quest to be loved. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to, it's important, it's, um, it is important, but it's personal to me. And again, I think it's the same thing about opening your presence. It's just in a different venue. Mm-hmm. So that's my next book. And then the book after that, which I've actually completed the first draft, is fiction. And it's a young adult novel. And a lot of the same themes are in it of uh, your authenticity and stepping into yourself and that sort of thing. So that, and I continue continue to coach and travel and do all kinds of things. So, yeah. So you're definitely not pigeonholed into one spot. (laughs) I I love public speaking. Um, I do workshops from time to time. Um, I, I don't, I like public speaking, but I prefer a workshop because then you really get your hands dirty and you can, yes. they can feel it. And, um, there are exercises people can do. So that's probably one of my favorite things to do. It's, it's, it's quick. It's a couple of hours. You meet some great people. They can follow up with you if they like. Um, I still love coaching. Um, but everything fuels the other thing. My writing fuels my coaching. My coaching fuels my writing. It, it all works in conjunction. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's beautiful. Wow. So for those people that are listening in and thinking about, you know, their, their one goal that they might have that they're trying towards um, and thinking about just, just the way you've approached thinking about the different activities you've included in your life. Um, I, I'm just thinking for those people listening to just open their, their viewpoint or, their heart a little bit wider and see how their gifts can live because you're talking to seniors, you're talking to professionals, and then you're, you're looking at talking to teens and early twenties. That's a wide range of conversation, same skills, same need for finding your authentic self, but you have this way of, of approaching it from such a diverse area. So I'm hoping listeners are thinking about, um, where they are, how they want to go forward, but maybe how their voice could be a benefit in so many different ways. Absolutely. I I think the key, and, and I talk about this in the book quite often, is to start small. We all want to make a huge change. I'm going to lose 100 pounds. I'm going to, and it starts with losing five, and it starts with one pound, and then you get to this, and then you build. And so um, one of my favorite clients who was shy and had trouble speaking in a, in a conference room, he had to, in six months, speak to a group of almost a thousand. And we just took it a step at a time. And he had to ask a question in a meeting. That's it. Just ask a question. Mm-hmm. Then he had to make a statement. He had to give an opinion. And then he had to go to a meeting of 15 people and he had to speak up. And he, and by the time we got him to the audience, he, he had the confidence. I could sit there and enjoy his presentation. He had the confidence. And so I encourage people to take one thing and just make a, break it down into some steps. For example, I want to work out. 
it's this big thing. I have to join a gym. I have to, you know, and I say, when was the last time you took a 15 minute walk in your neighborhood? Do I have to do that? Oh my gosh. It's a 15 minute walk. You do that, do it consistently. And then we'll add the next step. And then we add the next step. And so it starts small, but learn at the same time to listen to the voice in your head, because the voice in your head is not yours. It's a family member. It's someone from your past. It's your boss. And they're, and you've adapted it and you're hearing the loop. You're hearing the, I think you called it the monkey voice. Yep. Just identify it. Who is that? Who is saying that? And, you know, if it's your mother, if it's whatever, you can then as an adult say, is this true? Is it true for me today? Or is that just something from the past? And if it's not your truth, you don't have to own it. You can change the voice. You can change the channel. Take mm -hmm. some work, but you can do it. Mm -hmm. So start small and listen to the voice. And these two things will make a huge difference in your life. And your other one, which was take the hand, pause. Take the hand. Take a yeah. pause. Yeah. And... Um, this has worked well in uncomfortable, um, I'll say, uh, core, professional um, uh, sexual situations. Someone's approaching you, you get uncomfortable. That hand is amazing. It will stop somebody in their tracks. Give it a try. Mm -hmm. You have to say it like you mean it, but the stop and back up. It is so often how we will get sometimes into an uncomfortable situation and we're leaning into it, trying to understand it mm -hmm. because it's so perplexing. We're walking into it versus stop. That's very powerful. I, mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many people have come back and went, wow, that hand thing works. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and even the idea that you can pause you like from, from yes, the, you put the hand up, but even to give yourself that moment, because a lot of times we feel like we need to solve the problem or bring the vocals into it. And if you keep talking, you'll be able to work yourself around it instead mm -hmm. of thinking, if I'm just still for just that moment, what does that moment provide me with? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, definitely a chance to transform. Um, how can people find your book? Where, where have you got it located? It's, it's in the usual online, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, a few other resources. I'm terrible about remembering this, but it's also available through my website, uh, GretaMuller.com. And, um, you'll, you can read all about me. Um, but, um, the book comes in the Kindle version, um, or, you know, softback kind of. I encourage the softback only because I, I like people to make notes and I think the tangible writing notes and stuff, but Hey, if digital is your, is your way, please go for it. <laughs> go that way too. Yeah. Um, beautiful. Um, thank you so much for this opportunity. And I like to always close by asking my guests, what is their favorite um, movement thing that they do for themselves? Um, and you've already talked about all of the lovely performance things that you do. Do you have a favorite activity that you participate in? Well, I'm a golfer, so I love to golf, but I don't like to golf when it's in climate weather or too cold. So I'm more of a summer, spring, fall, you know, golfer. Uh, I'm a huge walker. I love to walk. And I'm fortunate I live right across the street from a beautiful park and the river is right there. And even if it is 15 minutes, start small, walk out the door and just go look at something else. And uh, it's probably one of the things I love about golf. You're in nature and, uh, you know, the squirrels, if, you know, deer running across the golf course, um, anything with nature kind of puts me centered again, even though I live in the biggest city in the country, New York City. So <laughs> go figure. 
Yeah, and I have been where you are, and uh, you know, to go to Central Park and and to be able to walk with so many people is it, fascinating for me. I live in a very rural area, so if I'm going to go for a walk, I can go and see no one. <laughs> and if I want to go up <laughs> in the field in my snowshoes in the winter time, um, you know, I'm just up there by myself. So your experience is very different from my experience, um, but mine is the same: is to take that 15 minutes of whatever you love to do. Often it's people putting, you know, thinking about putting the music on and just dance in the kitchen. Just get into the music and enjoy what you're doing and, and take that time to, to step back, have that pause. Um, yeah. This, this year, I actually had the revelation of reading more novels. I tend to do a lot of research. I love, I'm, Doing a, I'm reading a wonderful book right now called Heart Centered Leadership. Mm -hmm. uh, love it. But what I've realized is I have to just turn all of that off and read a novel, just get into a story. Mm -hmm. And I had the pleasure of meeting Jeanette Walls, who wrote uh, The Glass Castle, her life story. But she wrote um, Hang the Moon, which is her most recent novel. And it is bootlegging in the 1920s, and it is just a departure. And sometimes I will stop, have some water, and read five pages. And again, then I can come back to work and be more centered. So sometimes it is the music, the book, whatever it is. I love that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, beautiful. Well, thank you, Greta, so much for this time. And I wish you the best as you finish the next two writing projects and get them uh, published and, and out there to the world to, so they can transform from that as well. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Michelle. I appreciate you having me on your show. <laughs> All the best to you as well. Thank you. And your, and your viewers. Oh, thank listeners. you. <laughs> well, and both, which is, which is lovely, which is lovely. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Season three, we're devoting to the transformational process that happens when people reach into their authentic selves and create magic. Our season has several publications this year, and we hope they inspire and empower you to consider living your true heart's desire with love and compassion for others at the forefront. Thank you for joining us. This is Be Well with Michelle Greenwell, and I'm wishing you well-being. <laughs>